0: Uh, So, before I introduce our sermon series, I want to kind of give a basis. Uh, So, I want to quickly give you guys uh, a a theological breakdown of the Trinity. Can I do that? Is anyone confused about the Trinity? Come on. I know you all are. Um, The Trinity is, is probably one of the most complex doctrines, you can say, uh, but it's actually one of the most important doctrines uh, as well. It's so important that we understand this. Uh, even on our, our worship team, if you if you try out um, and you make it through tryouts, we have an application process, and in our application, uh, we essentially ask them to explain the relationship with the Father, Son, and Spirit. And uh, we really value... Um, Orthodoxy really value uh, good doctrine. So I want to break this down to to give us a good framework for what we're about to teach on. Uh, But the doctrine of the Trinity means there is one God who eternally exists as three distinct persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, meaning God is one in essence, but three in person. Uh, Norman Geisler, he's a theologian, he says, while essence is what you are, okay, person is who you are. So God is one what, but three who's. And although the three divine persons are distinct, we're baptized into their name, which is singular, not names plural. We're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And So the three persons are distinct, yet only constitute one name. This can only be if they share one essence. This is why we still worship one God. Uh, Deuteronomy 6 verse 4 says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, or the Lord is one. Uh, I want to read this excerpt from a book called Delighting in the Trinity by Michael Reeves. Uh, If you want to understand more on the Trinity, this is uh, such a good resource. Uh, But he says this, he says in the Uh, 1150s, a man named Richard of St. Victor dedicated himself to contemplating the triune God and was soon known as one of the most influential authors of his day. Richard argued that if God were just one person, he could not be intrinsically loving since for all eternity, right, before creation, he would have had nobody to love. If there were two persons, God might be loving, but in an excluding way after all when two persons love each other they can only be infatuated with each other that they simply ignore everyone else and a god like that would be very far from good news but when the love between the two persons is happy healthy and secure they rejoice to share it just so it is with god said richard being perfectly loving from all eternity the father and the son have delighted to share the love and joy with and through the holy spirit It is not that God then becomes sharing, being triune. God is a sharing God, a God who loves to include. Indeed, that is why God will go on to create. His love is not for keeping, but for spreading. Is not good. So like we stated, God exists in three persons, but in the church, we often only hear about two, the father and the son. Some might say the Holy Bible is the third. In the Trinity. But the reality is you can't overemphasize one of the Godheads over the other. The Trinity are all parts God, but are distinct from each other. We see this in scripture that Jesus prays to the Father, the Son, and the Father send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit exalts Jesus. So I want to quickly say this, that the Holy Spirit, who we're about to talk about today, is one of the most ignored persons in the church. That our theology of the Holy Spirit is just as significant as our theology of the Father. Let me ask you this question. If you have a skewed view of the Father, does that affect the way you live and experience God? Yes or no? If you have a skewed view of Jesus, does that affect the way that you know Him and worship Him and love Him and experience Him? Yes or no? So then, The same way, if you have a skewed understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, then that will also affect the way you live and experience God. And so the sermon series that we are diving into is called Unveiling the Holy Spirit, Unveiling the Holy Spirit. And we're diving into this for the next two months. So we're doing a deep dive study uh, in theology. It's called pneumatology, which is the study of theology of the Spirit. If you want to sound smart, can you say pneumatology? There you go. Uh, we're gonna be diving into this for the next two months. Uh, we'll be diving into some topics like holiness, the church and the Spirit, the voice of God, prophecy, tongues. Anyone has questions on that? Baptism of the Holy Spirit. Anyone have questions on that? Uh, and then at the end, uh, we're gonna do a Q&R. So you guys gather your questions each Sunday. If you have questions at the end of this series, we're going to answer them and have a, a Q&R time. Uh, so you guys excited? I'm excited to dive in. This is going to be a beautiful, beautiful time. Uh, and I, I want to share a bit of my heart for this, because obviously you come to Breakthrough and we're Spirit-filled church. You can, you know, you can sniff that when you come in the door. Um, but I, I really do have a passion for this topic. And I and I, one of the things that I feel like really marks Breakthrough is that we want to be a church uh, that introduces the people to the Holy Spirit in a healthy way. I feel that's really significant to our calling as a body. Uh, I, I grew up Presbyterian. I grew up with no grit of the Holy Spirit, barely was talked about, barely was mentioned. Uh, so I come from a very unbiased background, okay? I don't come growing up in charismania um, and just learn behaviors of how to act. Uh, But I I really am passionate because Jesus is really passionate about this. I'm really passionate about this because The church in Acts is really passionate about this. And I believe that uh, this is crucial to our design and understanding what the church is supposed to look like, is we have to have a healthy understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. That if you remove the Holy Spirit from the book of Acts, there's no book of Acts. Did you know that? If you remove the Holy Spirit from the book of Acts, there's no church. Did you know that? If you remove the Holy Spirit from the book of Acts, you wouldn't have the gospel because you're a Gentile. Did you know that? All right. So this is so important for us to understand, uh, that we want to be a church that worships in spirit and in truth. So let's dive in this morning. Uh, I think the biggest fault in our understanding of the Holy Spirit is in our understanding of who he is, that a majority of people refer to the Holy Spirit as an it. You can tell someone's theology on the Holy Spirit based on how they talk about him. Man, if I had a dollar for every time someone referred to the Holy Spirit as an it, I would probably have a car right now. So the first point I wanna make is that the Holy Spirit is not an it or a force, like Star Wars, right? He's a person and he is God. Would you refer to Jesus as an it? Would you refer to the Father as an it? Would you say, yeah, Jesus really met with me today It was so great hanging out with him. I mean, I I was encountering the father. It was really cool of him to speak to me. No one would talk like that, right? You'd be like, you're a (laughs) heretic. But for some reason, the Holy Spirit, we've minimized who he is, third person of the Trinity into kind of like a power, a force that we use in our own will. But he is far from that. Uh, A person can be defined as a center of self-consciousness. A person is self-aware, has a mind, emotions, and a will, and can communicate with others and is capable of performing actions. The answer is that the Bible presents a person as a substance that can do personal and relational things, such as speaking, thinking, feeling, and acting. Uh, R.A. Torrey, he says, if the Holy Spirit is a person, I love this quote, If the Holy Spirit is a person, which he is, and a divine person, and we do not know him as such, then we are robbing a divine being of the worship and the faith and the love and the surrender to himself, which are his due. I'm going to read that again. If the Holy Spirit is a person and a divine person, and we do not know him as such, then we are robbing a divine being of the worship and the faith and the love and the surrender to himself, which are his due. John 6 26, it says this. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you not because you understood the miraculous signs. And in essence, Jesus is saying, you want to be with me because of what I do, not because you understand why I do it. And my desire as we start this series is I want to help us understand who he is before we understand what he does. That I think we've attempted to study and attempt the work of the Holy Spirit without first trying to get to know him intimately as a person. That is important to first know him in his personhood. Like I said, we initially try to understand him and his manifestation before we understand him as a person. It's like trying to know the gift before the giver. And I had this moment, uh, I share this at pre-service prayer, but while the worship team was practicing and I was just praying and just being aware of the Holy Spirit, Uh, I had this moment where I had this realization where a lot of Churches and you know I'll even label it Law denominations that you guys know of, which are spirit filled, which we are non-denominational spirit filled. But a lot of those environments that are that really overemphasize the Holy Spirit, right? You see that everyone's yelling in tongues and everyone's going crazy and climbing the walls and flags everywhere, <laughs> which is awesome. We're gonna get there. Um, but but I had this realization was man, just because the Holy Spirit is mentioned it doesn't mean he's honored. Just because everyone's speaking in tongues and prophesying and yelling and doing all these things, which is amazing. And when when done with the understanding of who he is, it's it's amazing and it's so needed in the body. But just because he's mentioned, it doesn't mean he's honored. The same way Jesus is mentioned in a lot of churches, doesn't mean he's honored. Jesus has talked about in a lot of churches, but it doesn't mean he's welcomed doesn't mean that who he is as a person is first magnified before what he can do for us. So in the same way, I want to build a community that honors the person of the Holy Spirit before we start to seek what he can do for us. So again, the first point is the Holy Spirit is not an it or a force. He's a person. He is God. i encourage you guys. Man, if you've, I get it, for years, if you've only understood the Holy Spirit as an it, as not a person, as not God, Uh, There's going to be some retraining in your vocabulary. You know, if you're around me, I'll hear people refer to this Holy Spirit as they end up like, "Mm, he's a he, right? He's a person. Uh, So it might take some retraining, but I really encourage you to start having this as a uh, foundational understanding of your beliefs. So the second thing is that the Holy Spirit has distinctive characteristics of personality. Uh, Romans 8.27 says this, And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit, say mind of the spirit, because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So the first thing here is that the spirit is described to have a mind. The Greek word translated to mind includes the ideas of thoughts, feelings, and purpose. It shows that Holy Spirit has a personality. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says this, all these are the work of one and the same spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines or just as he will. So the second thing is Holy Spirit is described to have a will. Can an it have a will? No. That he isn't just a power that we use according to our will, but a person that partners with us according to his will. Let's say that again. The Holy Spirit isn't a power that we use according to our will, but a person that partners with us according to his will. Ephesians 4.30 says this, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Can you grieve in it? No. no. Cannot grieve in it. So the third point is that the Holy Spirit is described to have emotions. Emotions. Here, grief is ascribed to the Holy Spirit. He is not impersonal and unaware. He isn't just a power that comes to sanctify and empower empower us, which is important, but he is a person. That he sees clearly every act we perform, every word we speak, every thought we entertain. And if there's anything in act or word or deed that is impure, unholy, unkind, selfish, mean, petty, or untrue, this infinite holy one is deeply grieved by it. And I want you to think about that. This isn't to to bring shame, but in the same way, if your mom (laughs) saw you do something that you knew was wrong, you wouldn't want to grieve her, am I right? Who doesn't want to grieve their mom's heart? Okay, good job, guys the same way, the Holy Spirit, he's a person. And in the same way, when we live unrepentant, right? Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect and you're never going to mess up and you're never going to get stressed and you're never going to yell at your kids. But when we live in that place, I I mean, like to give this practically. I mean, even just this morning coming to my house, I was stressed, right? My kids are sick. String out the house. It's hard. And I remember leaving just kind of like, all right, like I got to go, like that kind of vibe, you know what I'm saying? And I remember walking out and I was like, man, that wasn't good. And there was this moment where I was like, man, I feel like I grieved the Holy Spirit in that moment. Like that, it's not like the Holy Spirit's like, don't do that, you sinner. <laughs> right? But he's like, I didn't, I didn't like that. That's not, that's not who I have made you to be. It's like that, that gentle conviction that stirs your heart of, man, I don't want to grieve him. That he is the one who is the breath of life. Because of him, I can even be a Christian. If it wasn't for him, I couldn't even be a Christian. If it wasn't for him, I, I wouldn't even be able to, to walk into freedom. Without him, I, I wouldn't even be able to bear any fruit of the spirit in my own strength. Peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness, the list goes on. Without him, I couldn't even do that. But what happens is when we operate apart from our design, right? In Genesis, it says, let us, it's the Trinity, let us make man in our image, right? When we operate outside of the image we're created to reflect, we grieve him. In the same way, if your mom was watching every single act and thought you had, <laughs> you would be aware, oh, I probably shouldn't do that, right? Right? Okay, I I probably shouldn't snap at that person if my mom is right there watching me talk to them. In the same way, we have to have an honor for the Holy Spirit that says, man, I don't want to grieve his heart. He he, he is birthing fruit out of me. He's birthing the nature of Jesus through me. I I, I don't want to quench that, right? Scripture says, don't quench the Holy Spirit. I don't want to quench the fruit that he wants to bear through me by grieving him. And it's not this religious thing that, okay, if I grieve him, then God's far away. It's, it's a relationship. It's not religious to say, I don't wanna grieve my wife. <laughs> right? Romans 15, 30 says this, I urge you brothers and sisters by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the, what? Love of the spirit. By the love of the spirit to join me in my struggles. By praying to God for me. So we know the love of the Father, we know the love of the Son, but do we know about the love of the Spirit? The scripture says that He is the Comforter of all. Guys, if it had not been for the love of the Holy Spirit sent by the Father in answer to the prayer of the Son who is constantly seeking us, you wouldn't be saved. <laughs> The Holy Spirit is not merely an influence or a power, but a person just as real as God the Father or Jesus Christ the Son. So we see here that the Holy Spirit has a mind, he has a will, he has emotions, he comforts, he speaks, he teaches, he can be grieved. Scripture says he can be insulted, he can be resisted, and he can be lied to. And so we need to understand that he is a person and that we are just as much created in his image as we are the Father and the Son. Amen. There's another quote by R.A. Torrey. He says, if we think of the Holy Spirit only as an impersonal power or influence, then our thought will constantly be, how can I get a hold of and use the Holy Spirit? Has anyone thought that? I've thought that. But if we think of him in the biblical way as a divine person who's infinitely wise, infinitely holy, infinitely tender, then our thought will constantly be, how can the Holy Spirit get a hold of and use me? It's not about asking for more of the Holy Spirit, right? He's already dwelling in you, but it's about how can I give more of myself to the Holy Spirit? So the third and last point is that the Holy Spirit is a person that we get to know. So, the Holy Spirit is on it. He's a person. He is God. The Holy Spirit has a personality, mind, will, and emotions. The last one is that the Holy Spirit is a person that we get to know. That 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says this The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus, the love of God, right, the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Trinity will be with you all. That here, Paul is representing the Trinity. He prays over the believers who receive the grace of Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And the word fellowship here in Greek is koinonia. You might have heard that. Uh, Koinonia has several meanings, but a few meanings are communion, partnership, and intimacy. Communion, partnership, and intimacy. Paul prays that we would have communion with the Holy Spirit that we would have partnership with the Holy Spirit, that we would have intimacy with the Holy Spirit. That communion means to have friendship and unity. Partnership means to co-labor and walk together. Intimacy means to know closely and personally. And so before we dive into the gifts and anything else in this series, I want to invite us today to develop deep fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to end here in John 16, verse 7. John 16, verse 7. Jesus says this, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. I'm going to pause there. Jesus is essentially starting the sentence, I'm telling you the truth. This is how he's starting his sentence. Listen, I'm telling you the truth. His disciples have walked with him for, for three years, okay? You would think at this point, they know Jesus can't lie, right? At this point, they hopefully realize he's God and that he's not lying. So when he's saying this, listen, I'm telling you the truth. He's saying, I really need you to hear me. This isn't a metaphor. This isn't an allegory. This isn't some kind of poetic psalm thing going on, right? I'm telling you the truth. It is actually for your better that I go away. It's actually for your good that I leave. You know, Jesus left not because he was bored, <laughs> but because it's actually better for you. It says, unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, which is the Holy Spirit. But if I go, I will send him to you. That God knew, listen, that we could know him better with the Holy Spirit than if he were here physically. It is for your good. That the word advocate in Greek is parakletos. Can you say that? Parakletos? Parakletos. And it means helper, counselor, comforter. But specifically, it means the one called to one side of that. The Holy Spirit is is the one who is called to your side. He is the one that walks alongside of you. He's the one who's constantly counseling you and comforting you. Scripture says that he reminds us of all that Jesus taught. He is the one who's called to your side. That Jesus is not physically on this earth anymore. Do you guys know that? He's not physically on this earth anymore. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, but the Spirit is tangibly here on the earth in his people that believe in Jesus. That during his earthly ministry, Jesus guided and guarded and taught his disciples. But here in John 16, he is preparing to leave them And he promises that the Holy Spirit will come to the disciples and dwell in them, taking the place of his physical presence. That Jesus called the spirit, another comforter. You know, Jesus actually refers to himself as an advocate. He refers to himself as a paracletos, but in this passage, in in, in the original language, it's saying that I'm going to give you another. I'm going to give you another advocate. I'm going to give you another comforter. And the word another in Greek means another but of the same kind. I'm going to give you another advocate, another one who walks beside you, but he's of the same kind. How good is that? That The same presence the disciples walk with we have today through the Holy Spirit. And I think that there is an invitation for the church to return or begin or whatever word you want to use, but to enter into a place of deep honor for the Holy Spirit. Not in a wacky way, not in how can we get people to fall out and do all that stuff? Again, which is good. But in a way that says, Holy Spirit, we honor you. The only reason we can even know Jesus is because of you. Whenever we say that line, Jesus is a person. Remember, we say that all the time, every Sunday. We worship a person. The only way that reality is real because, is because we have the Holy Spirit that mediates Jesus' presence to us. He is another of the same kind. I think about my life and where I am today and, and, and all the things that God has done in me and through me that it wouldn't have been possible if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit. Think about your own life. When you look back of of the Lord speaking to you, that was the Holy Spirit. When you look back at the things that you you overcame and you felt his comfort when you were depressed and you were broken, that was the Holy Spirit. When you overcame sin and you finally broke out of that cycle, that was the Holy Spirit. When the Lord led you to Lynchburg (laughs) and you didn't know why you were supposed to be here, that was the Holy Spirit. We have to honor him. Think about if you were to enter in a room and someone was talking about you. And man, they were just misrepresenting you so bad. They're like, yeah, this is what he's like. And, you know, he doesn't really take any showers, he doesn't brush his teeth. And you're like, what? And they're just misrepresenting you. But they think that's what you're like but they're misrepresenting you. If you were to enter into that room, how would you feel? (sighs) If everyone's like, yeah, it was really crazy, the Holy Spirit, and it was moving, it's like, wait, what, I'm not a, it. How would you feel if you were misrepresented? Probably wouldn't feel good, You, you would be grieved, right? You would feel dishonored. Man, I'm not showing up there. (laughs) I can move past that. But what happens when we cultivate fellowship with the Holy Spirit, when we cultivate an honor for the Holy Spirit, how much more is his presence going to manifest in our lives? So this is what we're going to go after Amen. Amen. So let's stand. I'll have the worship team come up. of our ministry team, they'll be in the back corner if you guys Any prayer over anything, anything going on in your life, anything you're processing, I uh, encourage you to go in the back corner and receive some prayer ministry time from our ministry team. But I just want to pray... that the Holy Spirit would be Lord. You guys know the, the scripture says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. John Bevere, he, he breaks down this scripture. He says it's really interesting because well, God's everywhere, right? God's omnipresent. So, so what does it mean where the Spirit of the Lord is? He's everywhere. And there's freedom because there's definitely not freedom in some places. There's definitely not freedom overseas and in villages and where there's suffering. There's not freedom everywhere. So what does it mean wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom? And his commentary on that, that passage is that wherever the spirit is Lord, there is freedom. Oh, you guys didn't get that because that's good. He breaks it down as wherever the Spirit is made Lord, there is freedom. Wherever the Spirit is said, Holy Spirit, we submit to you in your ways. You're not this force that we can just use and do all this stuff. We, we submit to your Lordship because you are God and you are holy, right? Holy Spirit. Same holiness that Jesus and the Father as He is holy. Think of the areas in your heart, maybe even today, or that you presently know is grieving the Holy Spirit. That is an area where the Holy Spirit is not Lord. Holy Spirit, would you be Lord over my time? Would you be Lord over my emotions? Would you be Lord over my decisions? Would you be Lord over my family? Man, we need spirit filled families. We need parents who are led by the Spirit. Holy Spirit, we just acknowledge you as Lord. Would you search our hearts? And would you just weed through any bad theology about who you are? Any wrong mindsets, any learned behavior, any, anything from experiences that we maybe have put you to the corner. Guys, I want you to know the Holy Spirit isn't weird. People are weird. If you thought the Holy Spirit was weird, it was just weird people representing him. Holy Spirit, would you just weave through, come on, the Lord wants to do heart surgery right now. Holy Spirit, would you just weave through any misconceptions of who you are? If you know that's something that you're working through, maybe you grew up in a a hyper-spiritual environment and, and the Holy Spirit was misrepresented. Holy Spirit, if there's any misconceptions of who you are, would you weave through our hearts right now? Holy Spirit, if we have not acknowledged you for who you are as a person, as God. Lord, we just repent. Holy Spirit, we say we're sorry for grieving you. And when you say, Holy Spirit, we want to know you. I just feel an invitation for that. Can we just say, Holy Spirit, we want to know you. One more time, Holy Spirit, we want to know you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the gift of the Spirit. A gift is not meant to hurt you, it's for your benefit. And a gift is not a gift until you open it. So this series is called Unveiling the Holy Spirit. And the reason that is, is that there are temples in this room where the veil is still up. That there are temples of the Holy Spirit, which is you, if you're a Christian in this room, where Jesus tore the veil, but you've left it up. You've kept separation between you and His presence and of His Spirit. Lord I just ask that you would just tear down those veils. Mm. I really feel like the Lord wants to unlock something here guys. I want you to press in. I actually sense there are people who are spiritually numb in this room where you have no sensitivity whose voice, your presence, or you come to church, you're like, man, I see people pressing in, but I just, I don't feel anything. I don't, I don't really get it. I feel that there's a spiritual numbness in people in this room, and the reason you have that is because you don't acknowledge the Holy Spirit as Lord. You can't be in someone's presence that you don't acknowledge. Mm-hmm. So if that's you, just say, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry for grieving your heart. I want to know you. Take away the numbness. Take away the dullness. Take away the apathy. Says those who are born of the Spirit are children of God. That you are born of the Spirit. You are made to be sensitive to Him. You are made to be aware of Him. You are born of the Spirit. We're no longer born of the flesh. You are born of the Spirit. Just focus on Him, focus on Him. Holy Spirit, we give you our attention. Holy Spirit, would you start to meet with people in this room? Let's really feel the Lord's emphasizing people that grew up very filled environments that were unhealthy maybe you saw it as unhealthy and as a result you've put the veil up and you've separated yourself from it and in a sense you've you've almost created a barrier between you and even wanting to know about the holy spirit because you've seen it used and abused let me reintroduce myself to you today. Let me show you who I really am. Let me reveal myself to you with unveiled faces. Let me reveal to you, to you who I am really like. That I'm actually the comforter, the comfort you've been longing, the loneliness that you've been sitting in. I am the comforter. the addiction that you're self-medicating in. Addiction is our own attempt to receive comfort in our own strengths. He's saying, let me be your comfort. Let me be your satisfaction. He is your counselor. Counselor. He he's not distant. God wants to listen to your problems. God cares about what you're going through and he wants to speak to you and he wants to lead you through it. He's your counselor. The last thing I'm sensing is I sense that there are people in the room who are called to ministry to ministry and I felt the Lord just say before you even step foot make sure that you are fully submitted to my spirit before you preach before you step foot before you lead you need to be immersed in my spirit Jesus did not start his earthly ministry until he was baptized in the Holy Spirit No ministry, no miracle started until after he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Lord, that we don't want to minister in our own flesh. We want to minister through your Spirit. Through your power, not through our own. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We just honor your presence. We honor your presence. We honor your presence. Let's just worship him as we close. Let's worship.